Hello and welcome back to the Loyal Suns show that's at the Loyal Suns on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Follow us there and follow us here for Pit Sports content you won't want to miss. If you love Blake Henson and hate Frank Signetti, this is the place for you. The Loyal Sun Show, a safe, sunshiny place for your pit athletics fix, brought to you by Section 5. We are joined today by the Post-Gazette's very own Noah Hiles. He is here to tell us what the hell is going on. Noah, would you like to begin by saying hello and what you've been up to, or would you like to just start telling us what the hell is going on? Um, I mean, yeah, I'll say hello. Hello to all the, the Loyal Sun listeners. Uh, great to be back. Love coming on with you guys. Much different vibe uh, for this show compared to the last time I was on, which was the season preview, and we were talking about Pitt playing in the Orange Bowl and you know, winning 10 games and things of that nature. Uh, what I've been up to is covering the worst pit football season. Um, and at least the Pat Narduzzi era so far, worst start in his time here, uh, I think could very well end up being the worst overall season Pitt's had in the last 20 plus years. Uh, it's, we, like we were talking about before the show started, there's no inside information that I have that points at light at the end of the tunnel. It's as bad as everyone thinks it is. It is just complete and other, utter dysfunction, failure, chaos, really. And I think it's going to get even uglier as uh, the month of October rolls on. So... That's what I've been doing is documenting it. I, w- I think I told you guys last week <clears throat> we had a, our first presser for basketball. And uh, everyone, all the media in attendance for that were, were all kind of like, my God, was that delightful. Because for the first time in, in weeks, in, month, in over a month, we talked to people who were in a good mood. We talked to people who seemed to have an ounce of hope. Um, we talked to people who wanted us to be there or at least weren't bothered by us being there. We talked to people who were willing to discuss injury information uh, just to give, you know, a little bit of perspective and everything. It was just such a better experience overall. And I, and I'm not begrudging the football program for being in a bad mood. I'd be in a bad mood too, but man, I am in a bad mood. Yeah. It's, it was, it's just, it's, it's bad. It's, it's, it's a bad vibe every day over there. And it should be because this is a team that no one, no one predicted being one in four. It's it. I would love to find a Power Five team that is disappointed more than Pitt has this year. Speaking of bad vibes, we're recording this on Monday. Were you happy or sad? There was no press conference with Pat Narduzzi today. The one Saturday night was. A quite bad vibes you said maybe one of the worst vibes ever yeah no dude i was elated are you kidding me like i woke up today and was like that my monday i wake up and it in like the last three of them i've woken up and i've just thought like all right what is the best way i can phrase this question without pat wanting to jump over the podium and fight me? <laughs> like that's just kind of where it's been and not that i don't think he would do it i mean he, he's 
he Pat's a good guy. Like for all the crap he's been getting, I, I genuinely enjoy interacting with him. I get why he's the way he is right now because the guy wants to win. He's not winning, but yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a nice break. I think everyone needed a break. I think the fans needed a break from watching this team every Saturday. I think the media needed a little bit of a break just because it's tough to think of ideas. I had a list in my notes app of all of these cool features I wanted to write during the season. And week by week, they become more irrelevant. Like, I don't know if there's like, I certainly can't write the cool feature I had planned about Matt Consalvis playing at Yankee stadium, a lifelong link Yankee fan like that. That was taken away from me. It, you know, and like, uh, poor me, you know, Matt's out for the season, but poor me. Um, but like, it's just things like that where like, when, when you cover a team like this, when you're thinking ahead and you, you want to write the good stuff, that's what you want to write. You don't want to write about people booing the hometown quarterback. You don't want to write about them losing in Morgantown and not even scoring a touchdown. Like I, I remember going into the North Carolina game and I, I told Jerry DePaula from the trip, I was like, you know what I'd love to write tonight? I would love to write the story about how Phil Dracovic got booed when he came onto the field in the first quarter. And he threw five touchdowns and he beat North Carolina. And he just told all those grown-ass men, shove it up your ass. I, I, I am the guy. And I, I, I had it like I would love to do it. I had the lead pre-written. I had a question. I was going to ask Phil after the game, you know, what do you have to say to those grown-ass men now? Like those are the stories you want to write, but you don't get them. It's just been so to, yeah, to answer your question, Squid, yeah, it was nice to not have to go through another day on Twitter of delivering coach speak quotes to my timeline and seeing the crazy engagement this stuff gets, having other people in Pittsburgh media retweet it and call Phil a bitch, which was like totally out of hand. Uh, like, it's just been vile, and a day off from it was pretty nice. So, yeah. I, I can't let you off too easy for that one. Would you also like to draft an article about me winning the lottery or growing eight inches? Because those things are about as likely as the lead that you had ready. Yeah. I, Phil I mean, throwing five touchdowns on it you. It wasn't like I like pre-wrote it, but it was just <laughs> more like, you, you know, you go into like every season, every game. It's just like you, you, you think of storylines that way when they happen, you're prepared for them. And we prepped you for we prepped you for one in the season preview. Right? Yeah, you guys you guys had a whole lot, list of them. I mean, like from one in particular was about, it the uh, Livy Dune one? Well, I mean, the first one you guys hit on that. pretty quickly. Actually, <laughs> it was uh, when when would they look look north? Look look up to the the yeah, Frenchman. Bring in the hab was the headline, I believe. Um, yeah, you can still use that if you want. Uh, yeah, you know. Uh, but yeah, like you, you prep for stuff like that, and like. I didn't think it was going to happen, but you just, I don't know. I, as someone who's observed the program from afar for Narduzzi's first seven years and then covered it for years eight and nine, there's always some sort of silver lining. There's always some sort of bounce back. And it typically doesn't get as bad as it currently is before that bounce back occurs. So that's what's, I guess, been surprising to me is you, you you prepare yourself for, okay, they'll turn it around eventually, and it just hasn't happened. So, yeah, that's why it's kind of catching everyone off guard, and it's, don't get me wrong, like, I still love my job. I love doing what I can do, but uh, it, it's a lot more enjoyable to cover people who are in a better mood. 
So speaking of better moods, uh, I guess on the contrast, worse moods, have you ever felt worse going into a game from like a fan perspective? Uh, I don't remember the last time I was like, wow, this, this is going to be horrible. And it's hard to think of a time where there was that little hope going into a game. Are you talking about this past Saturday? Because I, I yeah. think the vibes were probably lower going into the North Carolina game, honestly. Um, just because that was after I thought the they brawl. could beat Virginia Tech. <laughs> yeah, like I, right. I thought I picked them to beat Virginia Tech. I, I, I the, like after the Virginia Tech loss, it got to a point where it's like, oh god, like this is, this is a disaster. I kind of thought we were going to steamroll them. I, I didn't know. I just thought it was going to be some ugly game. Steamroll. Like, that'd be like 21-14. Yeah. Like, neither team would throw for like 150 yards. But at the end of the day, like, I did not expect Pitt to get bullied up front by Virginia Tech. Like, there was a part of my mind throughout the whole preseason where it was like, Phil could come in and just be terrible. Um, there was a part of my mind that it's like, you know, maybe these safeties won't be able to pick up the slack that was left from Hill and Hallett, or maybe these receivers just are going to be a liability, or maybe they can't find a way to get Gavin the ball. Maybe Rodney Hammond Jr. can't stay healthy, but I never imagined this team being, you know, I said, I was, uh, this team's soft, especially in the trenches. It's just not, it's not getting the job done. You have three sixth year defensive tackles. They are not playing well enough. All these edge rushers, all these four-star guys that we've been waiting on, they've shown flashes, but it's just not enough right now. They're, they can't stop the run. And up front, yes, you're without Jake Cradle. You're without Mack and Solvis. You're at, without um, – what's his name? Jacoby. But I've never seen – these te- this team's missing all of the Narduzzi-era characteristics. So – that, and that's say, what the Virginia the least, is. This the least Narduzzi team he's had. It is. Oh, it's without question. It's without question. They just do not play anything like. Yeah, at least those early teams football. that were objectively bad defenses by any number you looked at, they're at least scrappy. Uh-huh. There's really. And that's to to that. get back to the original question. Like that's where I came to this conclusion after Virginia Tech. Like I didn't feel this way heading into that game. I still thought, well, the offensive line has something because they showed something against North Carolina until Phil got hurt. I, I, I was pleased with how Terrence Moore looked. I thought Collier and Zubovic played better. Um, and I thought Phil played better too. Like he didn't look terrible in the first half against the Tar Heels. Like the offense looked competent, probably the best it's been since Wofford. So yeah, I would say going into a game, the most negative like, oh my God, this is going to be bad, was heading into North Carolina because it's coming off of the brawl. It's coming off of people all week just saying they literally made shirts about how they were going to boo the team. Like, Dude, that yeah. was something that happened. I wonder who would do that. Uh, I was, that Some was assholes. Something, yeah, something that was going into that week. So I think there was just more optimism. now. But after a game, yeah, it's – after that tech loss, like it's just never been more negative than it is right now. And so maybe that carries over into Louisville where you're just kind of like, and I can't imagine what it's going to be like heading into Notre Dame or Florida state. Like, Holy cow. Unless something changes, but you've been waiting. Like I said, you've been waiting for that change and it just hasn't happened. Well, 
we are looking at a bye week, and I know the team needs a bye week. You you needed a bye week. I needed a bye week because I just couldn't have another Saturday centered around this pit team. But I mean, it's a bye week, two weeks till the next game. Do you think we get a change at either at the quarterback spot? Is there anything significant? Is someone else calling plays? Do you see anything there that could be a? You know, we have two weeks to prep for our next kickoff. Uh, there's going to be something significant here. Let me find you a quote. Um, this quote stood out to me, and I tweeted this. You guys probably saw it. But because uh, we, we at, I mean, one thing you can't say, like Pat has been asked every question that I think the fan base would like to have asked. Like he hasn't answered many of them directly, but like I feel like the, this last press conference, he was a little bit more open. Um, like we asked about Signetti, we asked about the quarterback situation. We asked about the offensive line and this quote stood out to me because I'm going to reevaluate where we are. I see a lot of things that need changed on offense. We had nine first downs. It's hard to win a football game when you have two explosive plays and that's all we got. We got to look at what we're doing, how we're doing it and fix it. That's my job as a head coach to fix it. I don't want it to cut. It doesn't come down to one guy. It's everybody. It's a team loss period. So if we're going to dissect this quote, a couple weeks ago, Pat kind of said, I stay away from the offense. He said, I'm going to lean on Frank. I'm going to lean on the offensive staff. He said he puts 85% of his attention on the defensive side of the ball. I think that's going to be different. That's, to me, where the change starts. I think from here on out, I don't know if Pat's taken over play calling duties. I don't suspect that to be the case. But I think Frank's That would be very have- funny. It's just going to be runs like <laughs> like I don't. Yeah. I so I so Wildcat. Gavin ISO, might be ISO like running Wildcat. Wildcat by the end of the Is season. that worse? No, it's probably not. Seen. But okay. I think Frank Signetti's going to have a shadow this week. I think he's going to sit there and just say, Frank, I hired you to do your thing. I didn't want to have to worry about the offense. I am now worried about the offense. I need you to show me. I need you to show me why Phil is the best quarterback for us right now. Or if he isn't, I need you to show me why it's Christian or why it's Nate Yarnell. I need you to show me why we are calling these plays. I need you to show me why we are getting a delay of game penalty down by 17 in the fourth quarter with three minutes left. Why can we not? Why are we huddling? Why, why is the play call taking so long? Why is there this confusion? Why are the offense coach Forbes? Why are these offensive linemen getting beat in areas that no pit offensive lineman has gotten beaten this bad since you've been here? Why are there so many false starts? Why can we not, you know, there, there's just so many things that are wrong. I think he's going to be a shadow for every offensive coach. And I think that based off of what he sees, he might be telling them, you need to make a change here. I'm not going to tell you how to change it. I'm not going to tell you a player to change it. But something better be different when we prepare for Louisville next week. I think that that's where it's going to start. I don't know if that's going to lead to anything better. Maybe it makes it worse. But at the end of the day, this guy knows he's going to be around if he, if he wants to be around. Uh, him being Narduzzi. He's safe here, but all those guys on the offensive staff 
they should not have that same mentality because things have gotten to a point where I think everyone, player, coach, needs to really prove what they're bringing to the program right now. And it can't be based off of past accolades. So who would be the play caller if Narduzzi decided that our current play caller is not fulfilling the duties of their job and deserves a demotion? I'll start there. I would probably point to Taekwon Underwood would be my guess, him or Coach Salem. But I think Underwood being the passing game coordinator, probably I'd I'd point there. Um, but I, I at the same time, I don't know. Because Underwood came in the same time as Signetti. I think they were both, what, 2022 hires? Uh, Salem certainly has the familiarity thing on his end. But that's a good question. I, I would probably lean Underwood more than anyone else. How likely is it that that happens? I don't know if I agree with firing a coordinator midseason. I don't know how that's going to really help the team moving forward. But we have I mean, seen it in the right? ACC already this year. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't put anything out of the realm of possibility this year. And simply because of this, it's not, I haven't had a source reach out to me and be like, oh yeah, Signetti's done. Like I haven't heard anyone say that, at least for like a, a mid-season firing. I mean, it, people are obviously thinking that based off of the current trajectory, some sort of change is going to be made. And that looks to be the most obvious one. Um, but I haven't heard anything that he's going to lose his job mid-season. Um, but with that all being said, I mean, no one anticipated being this bad, no one. So with that being established, I don't think you can really rule out anything. The only thing you can pretty much rule out is that Narduzzi's going to get fired from this. He's, he's not going anywhere. And again, unless he leaves for Michigan state, which as these losses continue to pile up, I, I just, I don't know how they can justify hiring a guy who's coming off of a three and nine season. Three. I just don't know. Yeah. Right. And that, yeah. And that's the vibe, but I do think there's a little bit of smoke to that fire now. And we can talk about that later, but aside from that, there's, yeah. there's tons of change that can take place here. Personnel, staff, philosophy, all of it. I wouldn't rule out anything completely for these next seven weeks. Okay, before we get to Narduzzi, can we all go around the room and say, if we were hired as the new coordinator tomorrow, what is one thing we would specifically do differently? Mandate a dozen targets for Gavin Bartholomew. Doesn't matter how it happens. They can be, he can, honestly, what we talked about earlier, he could take wildcat snaps if that's what it takes to get the ball in his hands. I think I would... um. I would take a screen grab from Madden of the quick slants play. And I would just like print off 200 copies and just hang them up around the facility. And we would run that play like a lot. Or at least just put it in the playbook for the first time. I'm going there on the field. We're spreading the field out. We're not doing this run first anymore. We got to see if he's got it. And we're putting Kenny Johnson in the slot and throwing it to him a lot, too. I don't know if he was sick last week. I thought he was our best player now. <laughs> I 
That would be one thing. I certainly would find a way to get Kenny Johnson the ball a little bit more. Um, I think two things would be my one philosophy change I'd make is just like this team's just not getting the ball to its best players. I don't understand that. And I don't have the playbook, so I can't highlight like specific things like, oh, run fly pro right 86. Like that's shout out from the Burgettstown playbook there. Uh, but like, um, they're just get the ball to your best players for God's sake. It's simple. I think there's, there's ways to make it happen. And two, the other thing, um, well, you know, people might want to hear, Hey, give it to Vayer, give it to Yarnell. I think a good way to usher that in might be just being like, how about we give Vayer his own package? Like if we're going to run something out of the pistol, that's Christian's package right there. And you start easing it in. And if anything else, it just puts a different look on tape. Because all that you really have on tape now is stuff that has been proven to be stopped pretty easily. So if you just bring out another quarterback and, like, you just – him and, I don't know, like, Montrevious Lloyd or Derek Davis, like, run on the field at the same time. It's like, holy cow, completely new backfield. What's going on here? Or maybe even, like – have like Kenny Johnson be a sidecar. You could get really creative with it, but you, you not seen allowed. No, no, not teams. allowed. Yeah. There's a lot, I guess you could change, but I, I think that like, like kind of Penn state did it last year with Aller. Just bring him in for a little bit of a different package. It doesn't have to be something like what Tebow did his freshman year, where it's pretty much going to be a run 90% of the time, but just get him out there on the field and give a little bit of a different look here. And Maybe just that mixes something up. I don't know. No creativity allowed when you call plays in Pittsburgh. It's it's a theme of the year. Yeah. It's a county law. So none of that. Central Catholic's pretty creative, pretty snappy. Yeah, let's get Ryan so, Lamire. Yeah. yeah, right. Headset. North Hills legend. St. Teresa legend. Wow. Um, okay. So we, we touched on a little bit, but Pat Narduzzi, there's some smoke around him. The Michigan State, just like there was last time, uh, this time around, some some maybe different circumstances. Uh, one, and I think you already kind of touched on it, do you think they would even take him if they win three games, if they get to three games? And two, do you think Pat would leave? Maybe he I needs th- a change of pace here? Yeah, I think it's probably like I think there the odds are probably more in favor of like Pat would leave. I think I don't think that's like a foregone conclusion. I think it's probably like forty percent chance he would leave, sixty percent chance he would stay. Um, now the offer being extended to him, that's hard to tell because when you look at Pat Narduzzi, you got to look at like the full body of work. And let's be real. I mean, the full body work is, is it's solid. It is. It's, it's a conference championship at a place that never won one. It's, or not won one in the ACC anyway. It's stability. It's, I mean, you look at program character. This team doesn't have a lot of guys getting in trouble off the field. And Michigan State could use a little bit of that right now. So there, there's, there's a culture fit. That's ideal. He knows how to build something that's sustainable. The guy leading the search firm, pretty close with Narduzzi. 
Uh, and also, like, if power to leave for anywhere, a place like Michigan State makes a ton of sense. Pat hates change. You take him to East Lansing, he does not have to learn any new neighborhoods. He already knows what restaurants he likes. He knows what areas to recruit. He knows all the high school football coaches in that area. He could probably bring whatever pieces of his staff that he wants to bring along with him to East Lansing. Signetti. Yeah, he wants Signetti. I don't know if he would be making the trip, but other people, yes. Uh, so, like, it, it, it makes a ton of sense. But it's hard to ignore how bad his team is this year. I, I think it's safe to say he's probably not going to be their first option. Um, you know, Elk Elko would be, a, I think, a heck of a fit there. I mean, if you can make Duke relevant nationally in football, you probably would fit in well at the Big Ten. Um, I don't know. I mean, you could look at Mullen maybe. I don't know if that's necessarily what they need right now. Though, uh, you could go with the OC over at Colorado. Like, there, there's other guys out there for sure. But it just depends what Michigan State's really looking for here. If they're looking at it as a thing of, well, you, hey, look, Ohio State and Michigan are stronger than ever. Penn State's getting better. Wisconsin's going to continue to get better under Fickle. We're bringing in USC. We're bringing in UCLA. We're bringing in Washington. Like, this conference is getting harder and harder. We need the best X's and O's. We need the best college football coach who can make us a win-now program. Pat's probably not the, the guy to pick. But if they're just looking at it in a sense where it's like, can we just bring in someone who's not going to make us look like the worst athletic department morally in the country? Narduzzi might be the guy for that. So I don't know. It, it'll be interesting. I think it, it's going to depend on how things unfold for the rest of the year. I wouldn't write it off, though. I wouldn't write it off on them offering him. I definitely wouldn't. I heard from one source that he would at least consider it. And I don't think he really considered it much at all the last time it was offered to him. So there's that. Yeah, this has certainly picked up some steam. Your your colleague and friend Chris Carter actually told us it wasn't happening. So can you please tell him that we are sad at him and that we now think that it's his fault for some reason? Well, I mean, we, we might have heard some stuff after he told you guys that. So that's probably Ooh. why. I mean, nothing crazy. It's just like we we're. I I was told that if Pat, Pat would take the call, yeah, I was told that he would consider it. And again, why wouldn't he? Like the last time they offered it to him, what didn't he? What 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 was that point in time? Was it twenty twenty when they offered it to him? Twenty nineteen? When was that? Mm. Things were a lot different. Plain and simple. Yeah. It was either he had Kenny Pickett, or it was right after the Pickett. It was after the championship or whatever it was when it was offered to him, he was just in a different space. But now, I mean, think of how much has changed since that opportunity was offered to him. And I know it sounds silly for me saying that when I don't have the specific year in front of me. So, but... uh, yeah, Mel Tucker was hired on February 12th, 2020. So okay. like a month and a half before COVID shut everything down. But think of yeah, how very different, different college football is since that job offer occurred. Think about different. It. I mean, NIL, the portal, alignment, the portal, all of that stuff. Kenny Pickett's and in your locker room. Kenny Pickett's on your team, right? Like, there's there's so much stuff going on there. And also, your AD isn't about to get poached by Ohio State. That's something you also could. He's also probably considering. So, with all of that being 
you know, in the frame of his decision-making, I mean, he's, he's got to think about it. Would you rather stay in the ACC or go to the Big Ten? Where his game translates well, and he knows that's going to be a conference for a long time moving forward. Uh, it's a familiar place. They probably can outspend Pitt when it's NIL stuff. They're probably yeah, they gave Mel Tucker 10 years, $95 million for putting together like a halfway decent season where they didn't really play anybody. Right. They probably can get a little bit more dollars added up through their collective once they get on the right track. Probably a better destination in the portal. I, I, it just Michigan State is like the pinnacle of what I think Narduzzi can reach as a head coach. Unless if he wants to stay at Pitt, but if he were to stay at Pitt, I think the best he could ever make Pitt is what Michigan State was at its height under D'Antonio, which is good. Like that that's a team that was I think they won a Big Ten title. They made a playoff. Like that's what every Pitt fan could hope for. But it, it basically what I'm saying is like it could be a second tier behind the blue blood powers or whatever. I think he gets there easier at Michigan State, though, than Pitt. Just looking at what he hopes to achieve, compete for conference titles, all that kind of stuff. This The infrastructure exists for him to reach his goals as a head coach. Probably easier at Michigan State than Pitt. But on the, on the flip side, wouldn't that also be a little bit of motivation to stay? I mean, th- there's a reason Lincoln Riley really didn't want Oklahoma to go to the SEC. And that's because he knew he could walk to the playoff every year in the Big 12 with a decent enough team. Yeah. No, and I I think that that's – I'm not saying – like, Pat is happy with what he has here. I really do think that. Like, he has a great relationship with his athletic director. I think he has a great relationship with his NIL collective. I think he has a lot of trust with the people who sign his checks, the people who he needs to have trust in him. I think he, despite this horrible season that's taking place, has established some sort of brand of football that has allowed him to get, you know, decent talent. I mean, the recruiting pool is improving for this team. We'll see what happens with that after this season. But I don't think the guy is not happy. I just think that, you know, there comes a point in time where you need to decide is nine years is a long time to be somewhere in college football. I think there are only like 12 coaches in power five that have been at their current spot longer than him. So there just comes a point in time where you need to ask yourself, Hey, is, is this where I'm going to spend the rest of my career? Or is it time that I pursue something else in hopes that maybe that will be my forever job and I'll wrap it up because I don't know how many other offers like this are going to even exist for him moving forward. Regardless of how well he does, I think when you're a guy like Dews and you stick around in a place long enough, people quit asking. Like, look at the dude at Iowa. Look at There's plenty of other examples. Look at the guy at Utah. You know, like... We've reached the threshold of Iowa and Pitt comparisons for the season already. He meant Iowa State. He meant Iowa State. I, shout out Matt Campbell. That's a purple right there. Mount, Mount Union, baby. No, but I mean, I, I wouldn't mean, be claiming that one. Hey, he's a Division One coach. We're doing okay. He almost got the Oklahoma job. Let's go back to that point in time. Um, Brock. Now Kirk, he's losing he's, to my alma mater. Yeah, I know. 
and fighting dudes with like five teeth on the sideline after the game. Uh, but yeah, I would just say that there's going to be a certain point. I brought up the Iowa guy because I think he's been there for like what twenty five years now. Like, there's just a certain point I think when you when you make a program your program, like Winningham has at Utah or other places. Dudes quit at, or like other schools. Just he's happy there. That's his place. And I think that Pat needs to really determine that this off season, if the Michigan state job is offered to him, he needs to say, well, is, do I want, do I want the fighting Narduzzi's to be wearing green or blue and yellow moving forward? Because that decision is probably, I think going to be one of the last decisions he has to make like that in his coaching career. There are some people out there saying fire Narduzzi and they actually mean it. On the flip side, has there ever been a worse time for Pitt to be having a coaching search? Who knows where Heather Like will be? The I can ACC think of one. Is the ACC. I mean, uh, yeah, they they fired their one coach after like fourteen days. Yeah, something okay, like well, that. The program that might have been a tougher one. The program like was that. what it was. Imagine being tasked with hiring a coach to Pitt right now. We're coming off of a one or two win season with the ACC yeah. collapsing ahead of us. Who? with the promising future is taking that job. I would Plenty say we're in a better spot now than, yeah. than back then. You have a, I mean, I your know. collective is, I would say probably top half at the worst in the league. Like Alliance 412 is not a joke. Like they're doing decent stuff. Like you could point at Pitt and just being like, Hey, you want to come in here and your floor is probably like five wins. Disregard what happened last year. That was an anomaly. Overall, just, just don't bring in Phil Dracovic or Frank yeah, Cicatti again. If you, and, and like, there's going to be a lot of people who I think look at this roster and think, wow, if I have a good offensive brain that I trust, I could come in here and fix a lot of these issues. Because on paper, I mean, they do have talented offensive line prospects. The defense should play better. And I don't know. I, I, I still think they can get a good head coach if he leaves. There are guys on this team. I think that's what's kind of been the most frustrating yeah. is part about this entire season is we have seen so many guys on this roster be dudes. Kamara has been a dude at points. Hayes has been a dude at points. Almost everyone that is in that offensive line room that is so bad right now has been a dude at one point or another. couple Small of sample sizes. In small sample sizes, I, yes. I agree. I think, I think, a couple weeks I think ago, good I coaching gets that out of them. I think a few I just, ago, I said we're a quarterback away. I, I think there's a lot more problems. I think we're going to – I don't feel that way anymore. I think we're seeing with, – with, I don't like this roster very much anymore. <laughs> adversity creates, creates not, doubt. And I think that that's what's happening right now. I think a lot of these guys are are doubting the system. I think they're doubting themselves. And that's led to them playing beneath their capabilities. Um, it's not much of a secret that I have a home field apparel problem. Even before we started this show, I couldn't even step foot on a new college campus without making sure there was something from that school's home field collection waiting on my porch when I got home. So we are, understandably, over the moon to partner with Homefield this season to keep Pitt fans comfy, cozy, and stylish at a fraction of the price. 
by using promo code LOYALSUNS for 15% off your next order. This discount applies site-wide and with unique vintage collections for every school from Pitt to Bama, Jackson State to Colgate, Michigan, Marshall, Marquette, and both Miamis, there's something for every fan. So whether you're buying for a Pitt fan or for a loser freak, use promo code LOYALSUNS at homefieldapparel.com to save big on your next order. Each code applies once per email address, so get those work emails and burners ready. That's homefieldapparel.com. I want to go back to like the beginning of the season. Uh, there were a lot of ifs, right? Well, if, if Phil can play well, this team's going to win 10 games. You know, uh, Jacoby's down, but I mean, if they could just figure out that guard spot, we're going to be fine. If if those safeties, if they play well, you know, or, or if if they can just find a way to replace the production of the best defensive player in college football last year, that defensive line, it's going to be great. And that's not out of the – that's not crazy for college football. You, you have roster turnover. You know, if it's the Pirates and you're looking at like, well, if they can get 30 home runs out of first base and they can remain healthy, like if it's pro sports, it's different. But college sports, you're going to have your ifs heading into every single season. But all of those ifs. Scratch that. Find me five players on this team who've gotten better this year compared to last year. It's, it's very hard. Like, you can point at guys who are coming in here that are new. Like, I think McMillan has been a positive addition, right? Um, I think some guys have been equal to what they've always been. Like, I think Marquez Williams has had a solid season. He's had a solid season for like 30 years here. And that's not a dig at him. Like, I, I just think he's been a consistent cornerback for Pitt. I don't know if he's been any better this year compared to what he's been in past years. He's just been fine. He's I been mean, good. Th- for, for a note on Williams, because I don't think he's been getting enough praise recently, teams have just stopped throwing to, like, his side They don't of the even field, look at him. They don't even look is, at him. Which makes it insane that we're still getting passed all over when it's just we should be able to say, like, all right, Marquez is on this side of the field. I bet they pass to this half of the field right. and we're still letting up big plays. But please continue with what you were saying. I'm just saying, but like, I mean, you just look down the roster from guys that you assumed would be stars on this team, from guys that you were intrigued, like, ooh, this could be frisky. Like, there could be something special here. From guys that you were like, mm, I don't know, could be good, could be bad. Or guys that you're like, I really need to see something there hasn't been really anybody that took a step forward so far aside from I'm like, I'm, I'm I think Gavin's probably the only player. Caleb um, Junko. Junko is, but he stunk last week. He did like, like overall. Yes. Pitt's punting is 11 yard punt. Yeah. I was at Pitt's, a wedding and I missed a lot of it. Yeah. I missed Pitt, most of it, but Pitt, that's one of the like seven highlights that I, I got out of it. I would say, yeah, Junko has been better overall, although he had a horrible game last week. He did hit a 61-yarder. Yes, everyone's allowed to have one bad game, and he has been better. But Gavin, I'd look at, is probably, like, yeah, he's he's been the best player on this team, especially offensively. Like, you could point at guys like Dayon Hayes, but because he just didn't play a lot last year, but is, has, has Dayon Hayes been as good as we thought he would be this year? There's a debate to be had there. Has Shane Simon been as good as we thought he'd be this year? Maybe. Has MJ Devonshire? Probably not. Like, you could look at the safeties. You could look at everywhere. Offense, defense, 
And there's different reasons for everyone. Like Matt Consalvis didn't reach his potential this year because he's hurt. He's out for the year. Rodney Hammond Jr. has not reached his potential this year because, well, they keep falling behind in games and they can't run the ball. And the offensive line hasn't played well. Like so then, there, there's different circumstances for everyone. Well, do you have a hypothesis for why this is? Because the reason that we went into the season and we felt pretty rosy about all of those ifs is because pretty reliably, at least the last couple of years, Pat and Arduzzi players have been making that jump right. when it is asked of them. It, it it you can you can reasonably assume that this guy coming up on our defensive line is gonna be a dude, or that this cornerback will be, or this linebacker. What is different this year, Dylan? I have an idea. Uh, so maybe in a normal year where the team isn't surrounded by a cloud of an entire fan base, and honestly, and just being a laughing stock with their quarterback and offense situation. I have to imagine after the backyard brawl, there had to be, I'm not in the locker room, but I'd have to imagine there's a lot of guys in that locker room are looking around like, how the fuck are we ever going to win if this guy's our quarterback? Or if this is how we're playing on offense? If I'm a wide receiver and Phil's throwing the ball at my feet when he's six yards away from me, why am I going to run routes hard all game? I mean, obviously, yeah, you should put good, tape out there you're getting a scholarship to play football whatever but the psyche of sports and the guy who you're supposed to lean on and that's really the catalyst for your team just being absolutely dog shit i I have to imagine that that affects how well you practice day to day how well you focus in on assignments and in meetings like it shouldn't affect it but like let's be real here there are human beings and that that's the type of thing that's gonna make things really hard to focusing on the details i think i think, thought that would happen eventually with the defense like they held it together for the backyard brawl but it's like we can't do this every week man like get a touchdown then unc was tough but i thought the defense would have a good amount of fight in them for the rest of the year and it was kind of exploded a lot earlier than i thought it would all right so on the offense i'll say i think psyche does put something into it <laughs> and i think it has it's not necessarily all directed at phil though um I Sorry, think Frank. I think it's a multitude. So I think that Cincinnati game <laughs> screwed a lot of people up mentally. I think it screwed people up being like, wow, like our offensive line, we did not think that that was possible of happening, that we would just get dog walk like that up front. And we did not think that Phil could be so off touch with like this Phil and Bub connection that we've been hearing about all year. What the hell was that? So I think that they were kind of shaken up by that. And I think that that shakeup led to them playing scared in West Virginia. When I say playing scared, I mean, like, I'm not saying, like, Phil caught the ball and was like, oh, God, don't hit me. Like, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that their philosophy, they played like a scared football. They played West Virginia like they had a backup quarterback under center. And they looked at the Western Michigan game. with Right. Yeah. And that. And that allows them, so then they lose that game. And now they're like, oh my God, like this is, it's snowballing. It's, it's, it's getting out of control. And they go into North Carolina or they play North Carolina. And for two drives, the offense is like, oh my God, this is who we are. This is pit football. We're establishing the run. We're winning in the trenches. We're hitting the open man. Our guys, our best players, they're involved. Rodney's involved. Kanate's involved. Gavin's involved. 
And then they allow a punt return, something that something else that had been solid goes to the wayside. They get a couple three and outs. The quarterback gets hurt, and you're back to square one. So I think there is psyche. I think there's a snowball effect on offense. Defense, I think this team's a little pandemic-stricken. And what I mean by that is there's been so much continuity on that side of the ball because of that extra COVID year. And now this is the first time they haven't been able to say, hey, seven, go out there and do something. Fix this game for us, please. Hey, eight, can you go get three sacks today? That'd be nice. They don't have those luxuries anymore. And while last year I think they kind of dealt with that, with another number eight not being around, that's what's happening on the defensive side of the ball this year. You don't want to lose all your superstars at one time. And the defense did. The defense lost a lot of really talented players at once. And that's why we're seeing it. And I think that that's why the defense looks like it's an easier fix than the offense because, you know, these dudes are solid. Like Kyle Lewis is going to be a really good football player. And and I think Sean Fitzsimmons is going to be good. And and the guys that are there, like the younger, like Sam Okanlola, I have no doubt in my mind, is going to be an all-ACC caliber defensive end at one point in time. Um, but they're just not there yet. And they shouldn't be there yet because they haven't had they, – they're going through their growing pains. And when you're going through growing pains on one side of the ball – and when your other side of the ball is just continuing to trip over its own feet, you have these problems. And something I think that is the biggest difference between this team and last year, Steam, and I kind of talked with the pandemic, but I, I pointed out a specific thing on each side of the ball that's going wrong. Team-wise, this team does not have a superstar. Last year, this team relied heavily on its star players guys who were around because of the pandemic gave them an extra year or guys who it was just their time to shine. When things were going bad, you gave the ball to number two and things worked out pretty well. Or if you had to throw it, he said, Keaton, close your eyes, drop three steps back. Jerry Wayne's out there somewhere. And like those things typically went well more often than not. And defensively, you just, you had studs up the middle at every level on the defensive line in the middle and the secondary. And those guys fixed a lot of problems. There's just no superstars yet on this team. There are guys who I think will be superstars, but they got to take their lumps. And so when you don't have superstars and you combine that with no confidence, you get a one and four start. Yeah, yeah that was that's pretty good. That's a, that's a good hypothesis. Damn COVID. <laughs> I mean, COVID also gave you guys a a championship. So like, let's not. They gave us just, an extra year at Kenny Pickett. We're, we're taking our medicine now. We're finally. Can, yeah. Like you can highlight development all you want. Yeah. And like they do develop talent. Well, there's just too much proof to go against that conclusion. But at some point in time, development and practice is only going to take you so far. You need to make mistakes in games to learn from them. Like Ryan Bayer has not been good this year. I'm willing to bet three years from now, we're going to remember Ryan Bayer as being a pretty good Pittsburgh Panther. And we're not going to be thinking of the times where he got, you know, beat up against Virginia Tech and North Carolina. I think there's going to be more positive moments. These things just need to happen with your young guys. And the older guys just aren't playing like superstars while the young guys go through growing pains. However, and while you gave us a nice little silver lining, we also live in a college football world where the uh, the changing rules have made it easier for those those diamonds in the rough with all the potential 
on bad teams mm-hmm. to Plus. then be brought elsewhere for better opportunities once the shit hits the fan. Mm-hmm. How worried should we be about this being a very, very dark offseason for the football program in terms of re- losing recruits and transfers? I know it's early. I know it's early as yeah. hell to have this conversation, but still. Yeah, um, Paris Ford's happening, but down the road. I would say transfers are probably the bigger worry than recruits, simply because like the marquee recruits in this year's class are at positions where Pitt traditionally turns out pretty good talent. Like if I'm a running back and I'm worried, I'm just being like, well, look what happens when there's a star in the backfield. Like, did you see Izzy? We can do that for you. Like this offensive line is not going to be as bad as it was this year. Um, if I'm a linebacker, like if I'm Cameron Lindsay, Cameron Lindsay, like I'm, I'm looking at just the system itself and how, you know, look, I'm going to get on the field early and I have a chance to really develop into something. Same thing for guys in the secondary or um, and you'd be a fool to decommit from a defensive line coach by Charlie Partridge. And I think most kids know that. Um, but as far as transfers go, yeah, I think they're going to be hurt in the portal on both ends. I think that they'll probably lose someone. I don't know who. Uh, they'll probably lose a couple of guys because that's what they'll do. And and I don't know what those losses look like. It could be someone like, a, and again, just because I host a podcast with them doesn't mean he's telling me this stuff. I'll probably be the last person he tells. Uh, like Gavin, for example. Like it would make sense that Gavin would at least look around if things don't get better and think, hmm. I could go somewhere in the Big Ten, probably get some nice NIL money, and be a big part of a better, more reliable offense. And I could show the country what people in Pittsburgh already kind of know, and it's that I'm a guy. And that could work out well for him. I'm not saying that's going to happen, though. I mean, Rodney Hammond Jr., maybe same thing. Um, you need to get some bigger sponsors for your podcast just to keep them around. Like if you can raise like seven figures in the next couple months. We'll (laughs) see. Um, then another area that I look at is like those, those four freshman receivers. We spent all that time talking about the summertime. I think Kenny Johnson's safe because he's on the field. But if you're like a Zion Fowlerell, you know, or an Izzy Polk, what's keeping you here? especially if your head coach leaves, you know, like what's keeping you here. So, and, and and again, that's just speculation. I don't know how close these guys are to their position coaches. I don't know how happy they are. I don't know how bought in they are, but guys are going to leave. That happens on every team. One of Pitt's best defensive linemen left in the portal last year. And that was after a nine win season. And if he would have came back, he probably would have been their best defensive lineman on the team. Glad he's okay, by the way, after everything that happened with him this weekend. But um, there there are guys that are going to leave. And on the flip side, like I said, it's a harder sell in the portal right now. It is. It just is. I mean, you look at – I don't know. I mean, tr- imagine trying to convince a wide receiver to come play here. That's, yeah, that's specifically what I was kind of alluding to. Do you like just running around and you know, yeah. just running? Great cardio you'll get here. Yeah. Run in circles. So do you do you start that conversation with a portal wide receiver by like, oh, don't worry about the OC. He won't be here next year. Well, you can't talk to them yet. 
technically. Yeah, but I think by the time you could talk to him, some changes might be made. But like, I don't know, and, and, and it's it just depends. Like, I, I when I say like portal, their their incoming portal potential hurts is like you're not going to be able to get guys from Florida this off season. You're going to be going the opposite way. You're going to be going to the guys at Mac schools or in the Sun Belt and saying, hey. You know, you, you really want to prove yourself at a power five. We got a spot for you. You're not taking guys who were like McMillan and Reynolds and Dracovic who had been at power five, big brand teams that were former four star recruits saying, here's your second chance. Let's come home. It's more just like a kind of like a Kanate Mumfield thing or even a Bub means thing where it's, you're at a smaller part. You're at a smaller program. This is your big opportunity. That's going to have to be their selling point this year. And at least then, whenever they came, we were coming off of Kenny Pickett. We right. had a, a passing game. and right. We had a quarterback the, uh, coming from USC that was expected to be pretty good. And maybe he actually is not I was terrible. Say, apparently he is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, like well, maybe I, he's just not terrible. I made a joke about him because I think it was in the second quarter he had two passing yards. Was I right? Was I seeing that right on Yahoo? I think he had two passing yards in the second quarter and then – Shortly after that, he just started looking like Peyton Manning. So, yeah. Go BYU. That's what happens when you give your life to Joseph Smith. Things just fall in out. line. Yeah. Yep. I don't. I don't think he did that for 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 the record. <laughs> I think I don't think Keenan's Mormon. Not that there's anything wrong with Mormonism. Everyone's free to you know believe what they want. So don't let David say whatever he's thinking. Let's just move on to the next thing. <laughs> I don't know. I was going to, I was going to zag hard away. Um, God, I was going to say, we need Mormons. to pull a BYU and recruit a bunch of guys and like Braden and Caden and Gunner and, and everyone in the trenches is uh Polynesian. Guy, yeah. 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 Or, or like a 26 year old that spent their first like couple years uh, like of their first couple college years on mission trips and came back just a 26 year old grown Yeah, but 26 year olds aren't a rarity in college football anymore. Like BYU is like the hipster in that sense. Like it's like, oh, you think you're cool because you have a guy who's married with three kids on your team? Like we all have that now. Isn't that, yeah. isn't Trey Anderson on Pitt's roster? He he was a he went on a mission. He was born in 2000. And he's a, he's only a sophomore, so. We've got one of those guys. Yeah. Hasn't worked out too great for that particular one just yet. But Okay. Go ahead, David. So who else should become a Mormon on Pitt's team? Oh, boy. <laughs> I'd become a Mormon if it meant we finish with six wins this year. That's, okay. That is a big commitment <laughs> for the Fenway Bowl, David. I'll just say that right now. <laughs> Yeah, but that's how confident I am that it isn't happening, which leads us to our next question. What is the ceiling for wins for this team? Like, like I'm saying best case Ontario, like the absolute turnaround of whatever is happening here. We exercise our demons. They come together. Narduzzi pulls magic, whatever. Okay. Um, I originally thought before Virginia Tech, I thought best case scenario – would be like this team in 20, what would it have been, 20, 2019, I want to say, 
where like they started poorly and then they they ended up like rattling off like they kind of found a rhythm like the offense found a rhythm or was that 2018 what year did they lose the coastal 2018 or win the coastal lose the acc title game that was 2018 that was 2018 yeah so maybe this could be like a 2018 team or a 2019 team you know we're like they don't start great but like they find a little bit of a rhythm and if you look at those two years you know people will point to whatever like oh they they went to the acc title the most important thing that happened in that two-year span 2018 and 2019 wasn't losing to Stanford in the Sun Bowl. Wasn't Kenny Pickett throwing for like eight yards in the ACC title game. It wasn't the quick lane bowl where a ref was assaulted. Uh, it was the fact that those two years were where all of your core guys on that championship team were introduced to the playing field. All of them. They were yeah. all becoming first-year starters, building chemistry, getting those reps. The best-case scenario for this year is that that's the first part of it. I guess you could say that kind of started in 2017 when they trotted out number eight to face Miami. That was kind of like the, the first building block in that championship, right? And then you start seeing guys like Carter Warren and, and Gabe Hoy and Jake Cradle and then, you know, Servassier Dennis on the other side of the ball. And little by little, you're getting all these next, these little seeds planted. That's the best case scenario for this team. I don't think it's going to be wins and losses. But I think it's time to now focus on individual efforts and development. It's kind of like what you – I've mentioned them once already, and I know it's a different sport and it's a different thing. It's professional. But it's like when the Pirates are rebuilding, there are those first couple of years where you're just like looking at guys like, okay, Hayes, that's, a, that's an answer. We know what we got at third. We know what we got at shortstop with Cruz, Right. I think that's kind of the mentality that Pitt needs to take. And that's like the silver linings that can be found moving forward is you're looking, is Ryan Bayer getting better? Is, is Kyle Lewis getting better? Is Sam Okamola getting better? Is Sean Fitzsimmons getting better? Are we going to be able to go into this next season and say, yes, we stunk, but these key guys, they built something. And that was your whole point to the season this year, David, was this was going to be a bridge year. Maybe it's not a bridge to something amazing next season, but it, it could be because I do think that the talent, the sustainable talent on this team is found in the sophomore class and below. There are a lot of young guys with high ceilings on this team. Now just might be time to just let's see what we got with them. And this could be the year where you point at, God, it was bad. We had some embarrassing losses, but that one game – that was such and such as coming out party or that one stretch, man, those three linemen, they figured it out and we got them for three more years. That's what you got to look for in this season. And I think I just did a decent job of at least giving something to be excited about potentially. Can I give you one more similarity from that seven and seven season? Yeah. You had a lot of good foundational pieces getting on the field. Something else did that year fire a bad offensive coordinator. He said it. I mean, th there's changes will be made. I, I don't know what. Ripple. No, no, I don't know. No, all that. no, no. So I'm glad that you concur with me from a month and a half ago that we are going to the playoff in 2024, baby. 
Uh, yeah, we'll know about all that. <laughs> you never know. You never know. I do think that this, uh, it's bad. It's going to get worse. Uh, but there, there are things that can happen here that can build something moving forward if those key pieces stick around. So Noah, last question before we let you go enjoy like the happier aspects of your life. Which ranked opponent left on the schedule is Pitt certainly and inexplicably ruining the season of? I mean, you have to say Notre Dame, right? That's just that's just what it is. Like Pitt plays Clockwork, well, there. baby. But again, but that I mean that that notion goes way way back before Narduzzi. Like right, like there's they they. Gone into that place and just weird things happen. And I don't even know if Pitt, I certainly don't think they'll probably win that game, but something will happen. Something will happen where Notre Dame will look back and be like, Pitt screwed this up. Like I could see that happening. They'll expose something. Someone will get injured. I don't know what will happen. It'll be Hartman. I I don't wish that upon him. I I think. No, 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 not at all. I'm just saying what's going to happen. Well, I don't want credit for that if it does. So I'll, I'll uh, I'm just saying, okay, squid, squid called it, not me. I just think that that's probably the more realistic one. I we're storming into South Bend, one and six, thirty point dogs, <laughs> and all forty of us who bought tickets together are going to be rooting our hearts out on the money line, and we're walking out of South Bend with a win, and then we'll finish the season two and ten. And then Kenny Minchie transfers the pit from Notre Dame. Now, last time someone spurned us for Notre Dame out of high school and then decided to come to Pitt, he yeah. put us in the position we're in now. So I don't know. I think it'd probably be better if it probably would have gone better if you got him after one year at Notre Dame compared to after, you know, five years of college football with a whole bunch of offensive coordinators and injuries. But I guess we'll never know. Yes, we'll never know. Final Thoughts is brought to you once again by Guido Guerrera at Guerrera Law. He is a licensed personal injury attorney in Pennsylvania and Ohio, located in Pittsburgh. Learn more at GuerreraLaw.com. That's G-U-R-R-E-R-A-L-A-W dot C-O-M. 412-229-7757. Call Guido today. Squid. It's been a pretty like sad episode. Do you have anything to lift the spirits of the people of Pittsburgh? I do. I don't know if it was last time we did final thoughts or the time before, but I talked about how I went to my first pit volleyball match and it was epic, but they lost in a really close set to Oregon. Who's ranked like number seven in the country. Since then, these are, their matches they are very good they are the opposite of pit because they don't lose they only win wow yeah so they played james madison won three sets to zero high point three sets to zero umbc three sets to zero haven't lost a set in a while up to this point but you, you might say oh those are non-conference pretty like low d1 schools they started ACC play, opened up at Duke, three sets to zero victory. Went down the road, North Carolina and Chapel Hill, 
three set to zero victory again. They're on fire. They beat Boston College at home, three sets to zero. They played Syracuse next match, three sets to zero. They have another match Friday night. If I was in town, I'd be there. They're on fire. Most exciting team in Pittsburgh right now. Way more exciting than Pitt football. More exciting than the Steelers. Well, we aren't going to talk about that either. Into that, but yeah, we have a bright spot. <sighs> yeah, I definitely need to catch a game here soon because I'm so sick and tired of my days being ruined by bad Pittsburgh sports teams. So I'm very happy you brought that up. We'll have to we'll have to get uh, some of the women on the show here soon to talk about good pit sports. Mm-hmm. My final thought this week. I'm getting fat. Yeah, no, so football season, is there anything other than like specifically the month between Thanksgiving and New Year's? Is there anything worse for your health than the first couple months of football season? Where you just sit down, drink a lot, and eat a lot? Yeah, yeah. Like, so... My personal diet, I, I do a really good job of staying disciplined during the week. You know, I, I don't have any drinks I don't need to. It's all it's all water and rice and 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 chicken. And then the weekend rolls around and it's like, oh well, if I, I mix in a salad here or there, I can I can pretty much get away with whatever. And then it's just wall to wall chicken wings, dips, beer. Do do you have the, the same problem? Uh, I still have an extremely fast metabolism, so I I don't have to worry about that. But I am very worried that in a few years that'll uh, go away and I will be screwed because I've built no healthy eating habits and it'll just go to shit really fast. So I can see a dad bod coming here pretty soon. I'm I'm very jealous of you and Dylan who had to hop off to uh, run to the airport because you guys both have good metabolism. But I promise there's a lot of Pitt fans who know the cycle that I'm talking about, where it's Friday night before a, a weekend of games. And you're like, oh, I'll get something healthy. And you do. But then, you know, you're hanging in because you got a long Saturday. So you, you, you treat yourself to a couple snacks. Oh, I'm, I'm not going out to drink. I can I can have some chips or, or you know, some, some pizza rolls. And then Saturday rolls around. You go to the tailgate just crush food you you'd eat everything in front of you the game's over you're hammered and you know what hammered people don't consume healthy stuff vegetables or grains and then it's sunday and you're hungover and nfl on and you know what tastes terrible while you're watching football healthy foods healthy foods so you order a pizza and then it's Sunday night and you feel terrible and Monday morning you feel worse. And I'm, I'm just running into that cycle right now. So if anyone has any tips for how to not get fat during football season, uh, please go back in time and send those to me about six years ago. Oh, uh, and that, that reminds me of um, Dylan's final thought, which is also pertaining to gaining weight. Um, but this is the good kind. Uh, the Diaz-Graham twins are getting to be big old boys, and that's exactly what we were hoping for. Yeah, it's noticeable. You can see in some of the pictures, some of the videos. I mean, they're not, like, yoked, but you can tell they're they're sturdy. 
guys now. I think on the official rosters, they have gained 25 and 20 pounds each. So they're getting up there. Season's ready to start. They're ready to go. I know a big thing with guys of that size is getting hurt. So I don't know if they've been eating the offseason, but they're doing it right. Yeah, so um, just looking at Twitter, and this is part of the Pit Basketball website, Guillermo is up 24 pounds since last season, uh, 205 to 229. Jorge is up 20 pounds from 190 to 210. I mean, how many times did we talk about putting weight on them last spring? So it's, it's really good to see that happening. On the inverse, uh, Blake Hinson down 25 to 30 uh, was listed at 235 last season, uh, down to the closer to 210 now. So, so at, at least those of us that matter are are doing the right things health wise. Yeah, the success of the basketball team does not hinge on your weight fluctuation, David. It's it's not that big of a deal. You'll be okay. We believe in you. But the basketball team, they needed this. This was important. You can still podcast at a high level, depending on how fat or skinny you are. Honestly, I'd probably be better if I got even fatter. There are some fat media personalities that are getting good ratings out there. That 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 is possible. I've seen it done before, and yes, even uh, in the city. Yeah, huh. but the twins—they needed it. They won't be pushed around as easily anymore. No. No, so all the more reason to look forward to basketball season. 35 days, 34 days when this comes out. God bless. All right, well, this has been fun. Thank Christ for bye weeks. We don't have to have our Saturdays ruined. Yeah, so just one episode this week. There's no need to say what we said in different ways later on, but we'll be back next week with two episodes. Pro- probably one episode because we won't have a recap, but we'll figure that out later. Maybe, maybe huh. stand your toes. We'll see if anything, anything interesting happens. Who knows? But you should subscribe just to be sure. It'll yeah. be a surprise. You don't want to miss out. Yeah. It'll send directly to your phone. Yeah. Do that. And then we'll see you next week. Please subscribe. Hail. Loyal Sons of Pittsburgh.